was lousy. Good morning, everybody. How many of you are happy this morning? Let me see your hands. Y'all happy this morning? It's going to be a lovely day, and the sun is shining, and you get to go to school today, and you get to hear me. I mean, tell you, it's just going to be a great day, isn't it? And I'm so happy y'all are here this morning. Thanks for coming in to hear me preach. And I know you had to, but I'm glad you came nonetheless. And it's going to be a great day. Take your Bibles. Find Romans chapter 6, would you? Find Romans and find chapter 6. And when you found it, then you smile at me and I'll know you're there. I'm going to just turn there with you. Romans chapter 6 in your Bible. And one great text. Tell me something you learned yesterday. Tell me something you learned yesterday in Romans chapter 6. Yes, ma'am? Dead to sin, but alive to Christ. I love it. That was the final thought. Anybody else learn something else? Something else stuck out to you? Anything else at all? All right, go ahead, Brother we see. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Just simple, simple, simple. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm glad you guys are here today. Somebody asked me if I was going to tell any dad jokes because I'm a dad. And uh, people know I tell dad jokes. How many of y'all knew I tell dad jokes? Did y'all know that? So I went through my, my list this morning, looked up dad jokes. I found a few. Uh, my, of course, my favorites are almost cow jokes. Y'all, y'all knew that, didn't you? Because I love cow jokes. And you know the standard ones? What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Cow with no front legs. And how many y'all know the one about the cow with two legs? That's your mama. <laughs> That's just so terrible, isn't it? <laughs> That is so terrible. That's just a, that's a terrible joke. That'll get you in big trouble. You should be careful about that one. Did you hear about the, uh, uh, what, what, do you call the, what do you call the cow that just had a baby? That's decaffeinated. <laughs> that's pretty good, wasn't it? What do you call the cow that was knighted by the Queen of England? That's sirloin. <laughs> oh, man. Aren't y'all glad you came to hear these? Aren't these good? These are so good, so good. What do you get from a miniature cow? You get condensed milk. How did the farmer find his wife? He tracked her. <laughs> That's pretty good, wasn't it? Come on. You know that was good. I get these all the time. People send me dad jokes now because I tell so many. Somebody sent me this one. People are often shocked when they find out I'm not a very good electrician. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Why did the lifeguard refuse to rescue the hippie? Because he was too far out, man. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Come on. You know that was good. I asked this lady if I could touch her hair. Somebody sent me this one recently. I asked this lady if I could touch her hair, and she said yes. So I ran my fingers across her top lip, and that's when the fight started. That one is so bad, isn't it? That is so bad. This guy told his girlfriend that she drew her eyebrows too high, and she looked surprised. <laughs> that's terrible. That's, I, I should probably preach. Don't y'all think I should preach? Those are, uh, those, are, those are good. If you've got any really good dad jokes, I collect them. And I'd love to hear about them. So you uh, got any really good ones, you either text me or message me or send one to me or tell me after class and, or after chapel or before the service tonight or something, and I'd be happy to have them. Romans chapter 6 in your Bible. All of you that have joined us online, we're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us online. And others that have come in for today, we're, we're so happy you're here with us. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? Good heavens, no. What's the answer? Y'all got to wake up now. Everybody sit up straight. Wake this up. Don't make me, don't make me sing my favorite children's song. Y'all look a little tired today. If you're happy and you know it, slap your neighbor. Don't make me sing that, all right? So uh, stay awake here. Stay awake. And I get this. The Bible says right here, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? Good heavens, no. Or in the Bible here, what's the answer? God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. 
God doesn't want you to live your life under sin, controlled by sin, continuing in sin, uh, defeated by sin, dedicated to sin, destroyed by sin. That's not God's plan for you. His plan is that if you're not saved, you get saved. How many y'all know that term, do you? Y'all know that term, getting saved? How many y'all know that term? Come on, y'all know that term or not? Getting saved. Teenagers, do you know Christ? Has that settled in your heart? Have you thought about it? If you've not, maybe you just came to, to the to Christian school this year. It's your first year to be in a Christian school. Have you thought about getting saved? Have you meditated on that? God is real. How many of y'all know that? God is real, and, and he really does care about you. And his son Jesus really did die on the cross for your sins. He really did. And, and he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. It's been the message of the first five chapters of the book of Romans. All of us are sinners. That's what Paul has been telling us. We're all sinners, and not one of us can go to heaven on our own. But the whole point of the first five chapters is Christ died for our sins so that through him we could be made righteous, so that through him we could be forgiven of our sins, so that through him we could have eternal life. He was raised. He died so I can be forgiven. He was raised from the dead so I can have everlasting life. And the two go together, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the death of Christ, the resurrection, the two go together. You you can't separate them. He died. That's essential. That's how I'm forgiven. He was raised from the dead. That's essential because that's how I get everlasting life. And I I don't know, you senior guys and junior guys and sophomore, all, all of you here in the school, girls, I don't know all of you, but I do know this. God knows you and he loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to come to know his son, Jesus, as your savior. There's one God. Only one and one mediator between God and men. That's Jesus Christ. That's been the message of the first five chapters. So when you get to Romans chapter six, he's assuming that you've received God's gift. He's, he's assuming that. He's assuming, of course, you don't want to go to hell. Of course, you don't want to go to hell. Of course, you don't want to go to hell. If you can have forgiveness of sins, surely you want that, don't you? If you can have eternal life, surely you want that, don't you? Is that fair? Surely you want that. Of course, you want that. If you can have eternal life, you want it. Uh, it, it's, it's that simple. It's just practical. Like if somebody came to me today and said to me, hey, uh, I got a brand new Corvette, and uh, I just want to know if you want it. I'll give it to you if you want it. I wouldn't have to think about that. I'd be like, let me pray about it. Lord, should I take this Corvette? I wouldn't even pray about it. I'd be like, <laughs> bring it on. How many of y'all with me? Y'all identify how simple that is? Somebody offered you a Corvette. Would you take it? Talk to me. Would you take a brand new Corvette, 2023 model with 850 horsepower? Would you take it? Girls, would you take a Corvette like that? And what color? I mean, if if he's, I don't care what the color is. I'd like to have a blue one or a red one. Uh, Maybe a red red one's my favorite. I'd take a blue one, but I'd like to have a red one. But if a guy offered me a white one, I'd take it. I'm just like, bring it on. I wouldn't even think about it. Yes, I want it. Now, that's a silly illustration, isn't it? It's a silly illustration. If somebody somebody offered you a Corvette, well, you'd take an art, but you wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't even pray about it. You wouldn't consider it. You'd take it. What a deal. You'd say, man, that guy gave me a Corvette. I always love Corvettes. It's one of my favorite cars. And I preached about it and gave an illustration about Corvettes several years ago in a camp, a teen camp. And these two guys were there, and um, they said to me after one of the teen services, hey, Brother Young, can we talk to you? And I thought they wanted prayer. You know, I'm thinking, okay, what do we want to talk about? So we sit down, and I was like, okay, we, they were real serious. I want to talk to you, Brother Young. So, okay, let's find a place to sit down and talk. So we sat down, and I said, all right, boys, what's up? And, uh, you know, they want to talk to me together. And they were very serious. They were like 13. They were very serious. And, and they said, uh, uh, we just wanted to tell you that... Uh, we, we like Corvettes too. And uh, that's what they said. We don't just tell you like we like Corvettes too. And they said, we made a vow. This is absolutely true. They said, we made a vow and, and, and we prayed about it together. We prayed about it. We don't have to tell you, we prayed about something. 
And for the reason what they said is, we, we, uh, we, we told God that if he ever lets us make a lot of money, that we're going to buy you a Corvette. That's what they told me. So y'all pray for them, would you, that they'd make a lot of money? Would y'all pray that? How many y'all pray that for me, would you? Because they made a vow to God if they make a lot of money that they're going to buy me a Corvette. Someday you're going to see me in a Corvette. And if you do, you'll know, wow, those two guys made a lot of money and brought with a David Corvette. I'm not going to buy one myself, but if somebody gave me one, I'd take it. Is that, is that, is that how many y'all identify with that? Would you take it? Yes or no, would you? Tell me out loud. Would you take it? How much more? How much more? How much more? We're sinners and we can't go to heaven. And Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And here's his gift. If you'll take it, I'll give you eternal life. If you'll take it, I'll save you. If you'll take it, I'll forgive your sins. And all you got to do is take it. It's not tricky. It's not hard. It's not difficult. And don't let the enemy, don't let the devil try to confuse you on all of that. If you'll take it, he will. If you will, he will. If you will, he will. He's that good. He's that one. If you will, he will. And so girls, take Jesus as your Savior. He's assuming that. When you get right here to Romans chapter 6, he's assuming, of course you've gotten saved, haven't you? So now he's going to talk to us about our lives. And he says, well, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, God forbid. Now I'm a Christian. Now I'm going to heaven. So what did we learn yesterday? We learned yesterday that, uh, number one, sin is stupid. How many of y'all learned that yesterday? Did you learn that yesterday? Tell your neighbor. See, don't forget that. Tell them. Tell your neighbor out loud. Tell your neighbor out loud. Don't forget that. And give it some umph there. Say to your neighbor, you know this, don't you? Tell them. Say, you know this, don't you? Sin is stupid. Tell your neighbor, sin is stupid. And don't forget that, guys. Don't forget that. Don't, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't, don't let sin fool you. Don't be fooled by sin. It is stupid. It'll make you stupid. It will leave you stupid. As a dog returns to his what? Wasn't that a great illustration? Don't y'all just love that illustration? Dog will step outside and gag real good and throw it all up and then turn around and eat it. And the Bible uses that despicable, disgusting, gross illustration to say to you, look at me. Did you know that every time you choose sin, did you know every time you choose sin, uh, you can think of it like this. Well, here I am eating the vomit of my sin. Here I am. Now, that's just a gross illustration, but it's a Bible illustration. Every time you choose sin over righteousness, you're choosing vomit. And that's the illustration. The Bible wants you to be grossed out by it, to be disgusted by sin, to hate sin, to detest sin. So he tells us here, don't live in sin. That's the first thing he tells us. And then he says, look, uh, you, can have, you can have victory. And we learned the truth about victory yesterday. I'm dead to sin, but alive to Jesus. And the Bible says you've got to reckon that to be true. In other words, every time you're tempted to sin, you've got to be willing to say, hold on a minute, I'm a child of God. I'm dead to sin. Praise God, I'm alive to Jesus. Say it every time. Say it out loud. Next time you're in your bedroom and you're tempted to look at something on the internet you shouldn't look at, just say it out loud. Hold on a minute. Hold, tell the devil, hold on a minute. You leave me alone because I'm dead to sin, but I'm alive to Jesus. The Bible says, reckon it to be so. That's an incredible truth, guys. That's an incredible truth, girl. What an incredible truth. If you get nothing else out of my chapel this week, get that. I'm dead to sin, alive to Christ. The Bible says, reckon that to be true. Consider it so. Say it is true. Act, act on it. I'm dead to sin, alive to Christ. Say it out loud. Are you ready? I'm dead to sin, alive to Christ. Should we make him die again? Did y'all get that illustration or does he need to die again? Yeah, some of the girls are all like, yeah, make him die again. We're not going to make you do that. But you got the illustration. Did you get the illustration? I gave the illustration to one guy a few, few months ago at a camp. And I gave that ser- same sermon, same illustration. And when I said to the guy, I said, go ahead and die. He was standing facing me, said, go ahead and die. And he went over backwards, total free fall. Boom! And I thought he knocked himself out. I was like, well, that was dramatic. And then uh, he kind of stole the whole service because when I said, now, I'm alive to Jesus, he, 
he jumped from his feet and did two somersaults on the platform. And uh, I kind of lost the crowd because they missed the point. They were cheering on his somersaults. But don't miss the illustration. Don't miss it. Whether you are dramatic or not, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You're dead to sin, alive to Christ. And if you'll reckon that to be true, you're going to have victory. Now the Bible goes a step further. Look in Romans chapter 6 now and go down here. And we just got a few moments, but look at Romans chapter 6. And let's read verse 11 again and then carry it over into the following verses. Likewise. Everybody say likewise. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Underline that verse. Memorize that verse. Highlight that verse. Learn that verse. That's a victory verse. Verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof, neither, here's a key word, remember a key truth yesterday, a key word today, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but, key word, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." Here we go. You see it again in verse 16. Know you not? That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. To whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. How many of you ever heard this saying? You ever heard this saying? Only two choices on the shelf. You ever heard this saying? Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. You ever heard? How many of you ever heard that? If you haven't heard that, write that down. Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Only two choices on the shelf. Now, that's not how the Bible says it here. The Bible says the two choices on the shelf, sin or righteousness. Sin or righteousness. Only two choices, sin or righteousness. So I, I need three, uh, three helpers here. And uh, you're going to help me again? All right. You're going to help me again? And uh, you guys pick one more person. Who are we going to? Give me, give me. All right. You coming on, buddy? All right, so here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you guys help. And by the way, you're doing a great job leading the singing. Don't you all think he does a good job leading the singing? And a lot of you wouldn't do that, but he does a good job, and I commend you. I commend you. It's a good job. And I was impressed by that. I've been impressed just as impressed today, so don't let me down tomorrow, okay? But it's a good, good job on that. All right, so here's, you, you coming over. What's your name, son? Dan. All right, Dan, I'm glad you got a good. Dan, you coming over here. And tell me your name again. Yandel, okay, Yandel, you're going to stand right over here just a little bit, and you go on the opposite side of Yandel and, and on the other side of him over there, okay? All right, so now, here's what we got. I'll go a little bit further, so we're balanced. Come on in just a little bit more, so we get maybe help the, the, those that are recording or whatever. All right, so you got it. All right, now over here, over here is our representative of righteousness. All right, here's righteousness. So if this is righteousness, what is this over here? It's a sin, right? Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Y'all see this? So it, it comes out of these verses, that idea. Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God, pleasing self. Over here's, over here's righteousness, and over here's sin. Just to, these are our choices. And right here's me and you. All right, who's this right here? No, it's not Dan. It's me and you. Who's this right here? This is me and you. You've got, you got to get with me here. You're never going to get to class. All right, help me out here. What, what, what is it? Who, who, who is this right here? It's me and you. Out louder. Come on. Who is this right here? It's me and you. Now, wake up. Get this. It's me and you. All right, now, you stand right here in the middle, Danny. And here, here's what the Bible is saying. All right, now, Danny, catch, catch the Bible right here and, and just make it personal. So the Bible says to Dan, the Bible says, Dan, shall we continue in sin that grace me about? What's the answer to that? Good heavens, no. Good heavens, no. You got to know that. So here's what he says to him. He says, uh, now, Danny, you, there's a lot of stuff you got to know here. No, no, no. He says, you got to know this, that, that when you were baptized into Jesus, you were baptized into You got to know that. And he comes down here and he says, uh, right here in verse 6, you got to know this, Danny, that old man of yours is crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So what's, what's God want for me and you? 
don't serve sin. Don't be defeated by sin. Don't let sin run your life. Don't let, let sin run your future. And you come down here in verse 9. He says, Danny, you got to know this. Know that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. You are now a Christian. You have victory. You have Jesus. Sin doesn't have dominion in your life anymore. Now, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. The Bible says this like it's true, doesn't it? The Bible says this like it's true. Hey, you don't have any sin doesn't control you anymore. The Bible says it like it's true. And yet, here's what I know about all of y'all. Most of the time, it's not true in your life. You get defeated, you're discouraged, you're frustrated, you get angry, you look at stuff you shouldn't look at and listen to stuff you shouldn't listen to and say things you shouldn't say. And why is it that the Bible says this like it's true, but we don't live it? The Bible says it like it's a done deal. Like, of course, of course, Danny. I'm, I'm, I'm gambling here in front of everybody. But would you say that you're saved? You would. You've trusted Christ, and so you believe you're on your way to heaven. And so the Bible says right here, do you know something amazing? Sin has no dominion in your life. Then explain to me why you sin something. He says, because we're human. It's not true. The Bible says you're not human anymore. The Bible says you're dead with Christ, that you're now alive. So why in the world do you sin? You explain that to me. The Bible says in this passage, all of you kids that are saved, you are alive in Christ. You have victory. You are dead to sin. Tell me why in the world it is then that we sin. Why do you suppose? Because. Well, that's a really deep answer. Why do you think we sin? Because. Because Adam and Eve did. That's true. That's true. Adam and Eve did sin, which is why we're sinners and we've all chosen sin. But why is it if you're saved, why is it if you're saved that you still sin? The Bible says you're dead to sin, that you're alive to Jesus, you have victory in your life. Why is it that we don't? Because we still have human flesh. That's very true. The answer is one word. The answer is actually one word, Danny, and it's the word right here in this text. All right, can you read? Can you read? Under. But no, no, but can you read? I'm asking you a question. Yeah, you're good. Can you read? All right, the, the word is right here. It's in verse 13, all right? Neither, what's the word? Yield. Neither yield. Everybody say the word yield. All right, what do you think that word means? Means stop. Nope, doesn't mean that. That's a good try, though. Doesn't mean stop. One of you girls help him out. Why do you, Danny, Danny thinks it means stop. What do you all think the word yield means? Somebody, somebody, good enough where I can hear you now, loud enough. What is it? it means to surrender? Ah, that's not a bad definition. That's not really what it means either. Uh, one of you guys help Danny out and, and, and help this journey. What do you suppose the word yield means? Yes, sir, son. Real good and loud now. To what? Okay, he said it means again. What do you say, son? To slow down? Now, that's what it means when you're driving. How many of y'all can drive? Can you? Can you? Do you know how scary it is to think that you guys can drive? I've seen you walk across the campus, and, uh, and now you're driving a 6,000 pound. How many y'all know that is a scary thing? I'm just telling you right now. And you guys are driving. But here's, here's what the word yield means. I'm going to teach you a lesson. You ready, for, you ready for this? You know what the word yield means? It's so amazing. The word yield means to stand beside. Isn't that helpful? Come on, don't say, you know it's not helpful. Like, that sounds nice. But get the picture here. He says, neither yield yourselves. Do you see this? And he gives it here in person. Let me read it to you again. Romans chapter 6. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. You know the problem in many of our lives? Here's the problem, Danny. We stand beside of sin. That's what it means to yield. The word yield means to stand beside. It has one more definition, Dan. It has one more definition. It means to stand next to, means to stand beside. 
it all, it also has the idea of to surrender to. So you, you had the, the, the right word, right direction there. And, and here, here's the idea of it. This is what you got to do now. The idea of it is, is uh, all right, I'm yours. You ready? Yeah. All right, that's your illustration. So what's the word yield mean? means to stand beside. What's the second thing it means? Get down there. Go on, get down there and just say it. I'm yours. Say it. Now, raise your hands out there and say, I'm yours. Now, this is a silly illustration, isn't it? This is a silly illustration. But, but think about this. How many times in your life, how many times in your life is this you in sin? I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Sin says, hey, listen to this rock song. And you don't even think anything about it. Don't try to have discernment. Don't even think about it. Oh, don't listen to it. You know what you're doing? You're standing in the wrong place. You're standing next to sin and you're surrendering to sin. All right, I'm yours. That's the choice most teenagers make. How, how many areas do teens make that choice to stand in the wrong place? It, it certainly shows up when it comes to our friendships sometimes, doesn't it? You ever seen that? You're, how old are you? 16. Have you ever seen somebody with a lousy friend? You ever seen that happen? Most of us have. You ever seen somebody with a lousy friend? Did you all know? Can I say this gently? Our, we're, we're friends, aren't we? So you won't be offended if I say this, will you? You know, lousy friends make you stupid. Did you all know that? God's word says, he that walks with wise men shall be wise. Do you believe the Bible? So if you want to be wise, find you somebody wise and walk with them. But the Bible says a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I cannot tell you, kids, I'm 53. I cannot tell you how many times in my years of working with teenagers, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen teenagers who are saved, who are dead to Christ, who, who, who are dead to sin, who are alive in Christ. I've seen teenagers who have victory given to them by God, and they choose to sin next, stand next to sin when it comes to friends. And I'm telling you, there is nobody in this room smart enough, wise enough, strong enough, spiritual enough to handle a lousy friend. You can't do it. Because when you stand next to sin, sin takes over in your life, and sin governs your life, and sin tells you what to do. I get such a kick out of how people can be so foolish. People will say to me in a counseling session, nobody tells me what to do. I'll tell you right now, you're wrong. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. You know how dumb that is to say that? Nobody tells me what to do. Oh, well, you know, except porn. Guy that's addicted to porn, he can't quit looking at it. Porn tells him what to do. When he's bored, he's angry, he's lonely, he's tired, he's hungry, he's mad, what does he do? He wants to feel better. So porn says, come on over here and look at me again, you'll feel better. See, he's controlled because he's standing in the wrong place. How many of y'all know somebody with a really bad temper? How many of y'all know somebody with a temper? How many of y'all know somebody gets mad? And, how many of you ever seen somebody lose their temper and do something really stupid? Let's not point at anybody. Some of y'all, yeah, I know it is. Uh, how many you ever seen somebody lose their temper and do something stupid? You ever seen that? I preached on anger several years ago in a church. And uh, Sunday morning, it was, it was a family conference, so I preached on anger and having a bad temper and why it was wrong and how it would damage your marriage and your family and your life. And after the service, this guy walks up to me, and he has his hand like, he goes like this with his hand, raises his hand up, and he goes... Guess I needed that sermon. Puts his hand between me. Guess I needed that sermon. And his hand was all bandaged, but you could see his fingers, and his fingers were as black as your shirt. They were just black and blue. I mean, they were just damaged. He was like, guess I, guess I needed that sermon. He puts his hand up like this, all bandaged, and all you could see was what well, you could see was all black and blue. Guess I needed that sermon. I said, what happened? Oh, he said, I got mad at work the other day, and I punched a concrete wall. How many of y'all know that's a dumb? How many of y'all know that's just dumb? That is just dumb. Say it with me. That is just... That's just dumb, isn't it? You know why? why, why? He said, well, nobody tells me what to do. I'm a grown man. Well, but his temper just told him what to do. See, see, what does is, what is, what yield mean? It means to stand beside. What does yield mean? It means to stand beside. And what does yield mean? Show us. What does yield mean? It means 
I'm all yours. Say it. I'm all yours. Isn't this a great illustration? It means I'm all yours. And kids, when it comes to your lousy friends, you know what you're saying to your friend? Your friend that tells dirty jokes, your friend that gets you to listen to the wrong kind of music, your friend that has showed you porn, your friend that's trying to get you to disobey your parents, your friend that's trying to get you to vape, a friend that's trying to get you to be, uh, to be a rebel, a friend that's trying to get you to be goofy in chapel rather than pitching, whatever the lousy friend is, I'm telling you, what's, your, what's happening a lot? You're saying to your friend, I'm all yours, buddy, I'm all yours, because that's what it means. The word yield means if you yield, you're saying, I'm going to stand right here by you, and, and I'm going to let you take over and tell me how to live. It's true in friends. How many of y'all can see that it's true in friends? How many of y'all can see that? Can you think of any, any other area where it would be true for a teenager? I'm saying friends. Can you think of any other areas where sometimes we can stand in the wrong place? Another area? Friends. I'm thinking friends. Can you think of any other area? What is it? Family. I don't know if I'd use that one or not. Uh, can you think of any other area? A co-worker might be friends. Can you think of any, Danny? Can you think of any areas? How about you over there, Andrew? Think of any areas? Can anybody out here think of any areas where maybe we could stand in the wrong place and be influenced negatively by sin? What would you say, son? What is it? Oh, my goodness, your phone? Is there, is there anything wrong with having a phone, yes or no? No. But can phones get you in trouble? Can you look at stuff on a phone that you shouldn't look at? Some of you have history on your phone, and if we open your history and put it on the screen right there, you would die of embarrassment. Some of you looked at something in the last week that if we put what you looked at on that screen right there, you would die of embarrassment. What are we doing? Standing in the wrong place. We're yielding to sin. Phones aren't wrong, but you got to determine whether you're going to please God or please self, and the issue is yield. It's our key word, yield. you got to decide. I guess the word we could use, maybe, phones might not be the right word, but you're getting on the right track. Maybe the word we could use is entertainment. Can entertainment ever get you in trouble? Sure can, can it? I uh, actually did some research about entertainment, and I found the coolest stuff about entertainment. Aren't you glad? You're not going to sleep on me this morning, are you guys? I'm going to keep you up here the whole time. It's going to be good. It's good exercise for you. And uh, I, I, uh, I looked up entertainment. How many of y'all know that God is not opposed to entertainment? How many of y'all know that? Did you know it's not wrong to be entertained? How many of y'all knew that? Did y'all know that? The Bible says God gives us richly all things to enjoy. How many of y'all praise God that God wants you to enjoy life? Are y'all happy with that? Solomon said, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. It's okay to be a happy teenager. Aren't you glad for that? It's okay to be a happy teenager. So you guys are going to have a seat right here. And though you don't have to stand all the time, you can have a seat, but you're going to stand up in just a moment. Because let's talk a moment about entertainment. Because entertainment, kids, will cost you dearly if you're not wise about it. It's not wrong to be entertained. God's okay with it. Maybe that's why God gives us animals. How many of you have a puppy, do you? You ever watch your puppy chase its tail? Does your puppy ever chase its tail? You ever like be entertained by that? And uh, you, ever, you, ever, uh, you ever just find ways to entertain yourself? You know, like you push your brother off the roof or, or um, uh, you know, go to the mall and hide in the clothes and some little lady comes by and she's looking and she can't see you, but behind there you whisper, pick me. You, you can entertain yourself. You, you can get a, your mom's hair dryer and park the car down by the road in front of your house and open the door and point the hair dryer at the cars as they come along, and they'll think you're a police officer. And boy, they'll come to a screeching halt and slow down as they go by you. That's entertaining, isn't it? Uh, you, you've heard about cow tipping. Some people entertain themselves out in the country about tipping cows. Um, you, you, can, you can entertain yourself. How many of you know entertainment's not wrong? Do you know entertainment is expensive? This is what I, what I found in research, guys. This is awesome. Did you know that Americans spend $10.7 trillion a year just shopping for fun? 
Did you know that pr- we spend pretzels? Pretzels is, is, is entertainment. It's what we wa- eat while we watch movies. Pretzels, we spend $550 million a year on pretzels. Do you know we spend $50 billion a year on our pets? Do you know we spend $10 bil- This is America. Do you know we spend $10 billion a year on romance novels? Do you know we spend $34 billion a year gambling? Do you know that in America, we, we spend $2.3 billion a year on tattoos? We're nuts, aren't we? We are nuts. We're nuts. I got this buddy named Tate. Tate and I are good friends. We've been friends for a long time. And he's the guy I get with when I just want to be silly. And we just want to be, you know, just, just let our hair down and have a big time. And so Tate and I were together one night. He's a pastor and I'm an evangelist and we're hanging out together. And he calls me young when he's being goofy. So he said, all right, young, what are we going to do tonight? And I was being goofy. I was not serious, but I was being goofy. I said, well, I guess we can go get a tattoo. And uh, he said, well, if we did, what would you get? So I said, if I got a tattoo, I'm not going to get one. But if I did, I'd put my life verse on my chest. I would say Philippians 121. That's my life verse. For to me to live is Christ. Philippians 121, I'd put it on my, my chest if I were going to get a tattoo. And uh, my friend Tate, you know what he said to me? My friend Tate said, I wouldn't do it if I were you. So why not? He said, because your chest is so small, it would just say Phil. And you don't want Phil the rest of your life on your chest. And I was so embarrassed. I, or so off- I was offended. I'm like, you know, bring it over here. I'll, I'll show you Phil. And, uh, and, and so now every time I think, maybe I want to go get a tattoo, I can't because I don't want Phil on my chest the rest of my life. I mean, y'all agree that's a good idea. Y'all want me on that? So we spend, we spend we, in our country, $2 billion a year on tattoos. This is even funnier. Our country spends $66 million a year on tattoo removal. That one just made me chuckle. We spend $500 million a year on golf balls, $800 million a year on taxidermy, $17 billion a year on video games. I guess it's like Fort Day or Call of War, right? And uh, <laughs> I know, I was just saying if you were awake. Professional sports are $25 billion a year. Ringtones, ringtones is a $5 billion industry. See, see, it's not wrong to be entertained. It's not wrong to have fun. You believe that, don't you? It's not wrong to enjoy life. You guys believe that, don't you? But if the entertainment in your life is keeping you from being what you ought to be, you're standing in the wrong place. Some of you kids had an entire summer off. You had an entire summer off, but you didn't have devotions. You played video games every day, though. You had a whole summer. You're a Christian. Had a whole summer. Had a whole summer without algebra. Praise the Lord. Some of you, right? Had a whole summer with no literature. Praise the Lord. Whole summer. Didn't have to take grammar. Praise the Lord. Come on. Y'all with me on this or not? Praise the Lord. But what'd you do with your summer? You stood in the wrong place. You yielded to sin. Am I making sense or not, guys? Y'all with me on this? Can you think of any other areas? We mentioned, uh, we mentioned friends. We mentioned uh, entertainment. Think of any other areas? Sometimes it's maybe music. Music's a tricky thing because music can vary. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. But kids, you listen to me. If your steady diet of music has the F word in it and, 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 and bad language in it, and glorify sexuality and homosexuality and immorality and fornication. Well, kids, you're standing in the wrong place. No wonder you're defeated. No wonder. So friends, music, entertainment, y'all thinking or not? Friends, music, I'm talking about yielding to sin. Come on, you can have me. You can, I'm all yours. Some of you that with your video games. 
Some of you are playing video games, and your video games have immodesty in it, have cussing in it, and you are befriending people. You don't know anything about them. You have no idea who they are. Many of them are atheists. You got, you, you're, you're playing a video game with somebody who's an atheist and, and a little dialogue back and forth, and they're kind of undermining your faith. You are allowing your video games to lead you away from Christ? It's not salvation. It's Christian living. We're standing in the wrong place. How many areas could you and I talk about? Maybe dating. Oh, my soul. That's a big one, isn't it? How many of y'all, how many of y'all have the idea that, that uh, I, uh, if you girl, and you're like, I, li- I like guys. How many girls are like that? I, I, I like guys, especially handsome ones. Girls, are you that way or not? I like guys, especially handsome ones. Girl, guys, are you this way? Are you like, you know, I like girls, especially pretty ones. Y'all with me on that, guys? My son, Matthew, he's, he's hilarious. I wish y'all could be. He's a youth pastor. My son, Matthew's just nuts. He's nuts. He's always made me laugh. He's the kid that said to me one day, my son, Matt, he said to me one day, he said, you know, Dad, you've always been like a father to me. And I said, well, imagine that. Imagine that. He, he's six foot three, and I'm not. And one day we, I met him in the hallway before he went to bed, and he put his hand on my face like this, on both sides of my face, pulled my head over and kissed me on top of the head. And then he said to me, this is what my son said to me before I went to bed. He said, good night, Father. Sleep well. Most likely I will still love you in the morning. That's my son, Matthew. He's also the kid. We went home from church one night, and we, uh, we went to pizza. We got pizza after church. We're going to go home and watch a, a film. We watch films because we're independent Baptists. So we don't watch movies. And uh, so we went home to, to, to watch a movie, and, uh, and, and we picked up pizza on the way, and I handed it back. Are you guys this way? I handed it back to my boys. I had three boys. Handed it back to my boys. All right, boys, you hold the pizza until we get home. It's three miles to the house. Three miles, and we're almost to the house when I realized my boys are eating the pizza. We're not even home. They haven't started the movie yet. My boys are already eating the pizza. And I said to my kids, I'm like, hey, and that wasn't a big deal, but I'm like, hey, what is wrong with you guys? My son Matthew says, probably poor parenting. I was like, well, it's hard to argue with that. That's my kid, Matthew. This is, this is, this is my kid, Matthew. And uh, I don't even know where I was going with that now. What was I illustrating? I was talking about something with Matthew. I don't remember what it was going to be now. So I got sidetracked and lost my train of thought. What are we talking about? Dating. That was it. I took my son, I took my son Matthew to a church, and we visited his church one night, or one morning, it was a Sunday morning, and the music was off the charts, and the preaching was amazing. And, um, and on the way we left the church, we were driving away from the church, and I said to Matthew, do you like that church? What did you think about that church? Oh, he said it was an amazing church. That was a phenomenal church. It was an incredible church. And he was like so glowing in his like praise of that church. I was like, wow, my son, man, he likes, he likes church. And he's just so all, I said, so what'd you like about the church? I think it was the preaching, it was the music. Well, my son said, what'd you talk about that church? He goes, dad, there's a ton of pretty girls in that church. I could go there. And I thought two things to myself. Number one, seriously. And number two, I thought, praise God, he likes girls. I mean, all this is a good thing. I mean, all agree. See, listen, kids, it's not wrong, girls. It's a normal thing for you to like guys. That's okay. I got bad news for you, girls. Best looking guy in the world is already taken. Just ask Bethley Joy, my wife. I'm sorry about that, but there's other guys. There's others. See, so it's not wrong. Guys, guys, look at me. Look at me, guys. Don't be, but it's not wrong. It's not wrong for you to think girls are pretty. It's not wrong. But listen to me. Some of you kids, you know what you're doing when it comes to dating? You're yielding to sin. Say, oh my goodness, I gotta have a boyfriend because I can't have a boyfriend, I can't be happy. Seriously, girls? I gotta have a girlfriend because I have a girlfriend, I'm gonna die single. Son, you're 13. (laughs) Right? It's so easy to. This guy says, I need a girlfriend, I need a girlfriend. Pal, you can't even make your bed yet. 
Right? See, here's what the Bible is trying to say. Stand up, guys. Stand up, guys. All right, you ready? You ready, Dan? What's the word? What's our key word today? What's our key word? Yield. yield. What does the word yield mean? Uh, no, no. To stand beside. <laughs> My goodness, Danny. Help me out here. All right. What's our key word? Surrender. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I pick them good, don't I? For my illustrations. All right, let's try this one more time. The key word is yield. yield. All right. What's the key word, Dan? The key word is yield. All right, y'all, what's his answer, y'all? What's his answer? Yield. yield. All right, what's our key word? Yield. Yield. All right, ready? What's our key word? Yield. One more time. What's our key word? Yield. And what does it mean? To stand beside. Right? What else does it mean, Danny? Uh, but you got to show us. Oh, yeah. It means I'm all yours. Is this not a dumb illustration? Now look at me, kids, because here's what the Bible says. Now don't miss the illustration. I want you to take this illustration home with you, but don't miss the passage. Let me get my glasses back on so I can see the Bible. Listen to the verse. Are you all with me, yes or no? You all with me, yes or no? All right, listen. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Danny, you have a choice. You say you're saved. Here's what the Bible says about you. Do you know this? You have victory in Christ because you're dead to sin. Now, you've got to reckon that to be true. You've got to accept it. You've got to say it. You've got to believe it. You've got to act on it. And how do you act on it? With the word yield. So you can yield to sin. You can let this sin have charge of your life. You can choose, girls, to let sin have authority and rule in your life. You can choose that. I won't preach on it this week necessarily, but you listen to me. One of the major issues of your generation is garbage on the internet. Porn, let's say that word gently, is a destructive issue in our generation. And you know what the whole issue is? We're letting it control our life. We go and stand by it. We go back to it. We show it to our friends. We keep it a secret. We don't deal with it. We don't get help for it. We don't take care of it. We don't repent of it. We're yielded to it. And, and here's why this is so tricky, kids. Because, Danny, if you're not careful, you can think like this. You can think, well, for crying out loud, I'm how old are you? I'm just 17. I'm just 17. It's no big deal. But, kids, what the Bible wants you to know as a young person is this. What you do in your youth, will follow you to your grave apart from a divine miracle of the grace of God. Because sins of a lifetime, Danny, begin in your youth. Sins of a lifetime begin in your youth. Say, ah, it's just music. Sins of a lifetime begin in your youth. Ah, it's just pornography. Sins of a lifetime begin in your youth. Sins of a lifetime. So the Bible has a better plan. What's the better plan? Say no to sin. No, you say no to sin and yield yourself to whom? To righteousness, all right? So now, here's what's righteousness. Here's righteousness, all right? You say no to sin. You say, look, uh, uh, I'm dead to you. Dead, I'm dead. I'm dead to you. You don't exist. You have no authority in my life because I'm a Christian. I have Jesus in my life. You, you have no power. You have no, I'm not standing by you anymore. I'm choosing Choosing righteousness. What does it mean to yield? It means to stand aside. What does it mean to yield? And then what else does it mean? 
means to surrender. So go ahead. Go ahead. I'm all yours. This is the word yield. You know, listen to me, kids. Listen to me. Don't you miss the illustration because it is a silly illustration. Here's how most teenagers spend their life. I'm all yours, sin. My lousy friends, my music, my movies, my video games. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. When what God is saying in Romans chapter 6, stop it. You're not to live. You're, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Good heavens, no. God forbid. You're dead to sin. Jesus already died to it. You are dead. Jesus already killed you. That's what he does to sin. And he says, only two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. And I'm telling you, Danny, and I'm telling you kids, who does Danny represent? Me and you. Who does Danny represent? Me and you. And all we have to do is come to a place in our life to say, you know what? I've stood over here long enough. I've been careless about my music. I've been careless about the internet. I've been careless about my relationship to my parents. I've been careless about dating. I've been, name it. Careless about stuff on the, I name it. I'm careless about it. I've yielded myself over here. I'm standing in the wrong place. I'm surrendered over here. But no, no, no. I'm a Christian. So I'm making a conscience decision to say no to sin. Yes to righteousness. And all it means is I'm going to come over and stand next to righteousness. Think about all the areas where that can apply. Are there good friends? Absolutely. What do you do if you have a lousy friend? Lose them, drop them, delete them. Get rid of the contact. Drop out of the video game. You can survive without call of war or call of duty. But you can't survive with lousy friends on the internet. So you can't be the Christian you ought to be. You could survive without music. But you can't survive without being surrendered to Jesus Christ as a Christian. You can, you can survive without friends. There could come a time in your life that you have no friends at all. When I was in high school and got saved, and I lost my lousy friends, there were several years there was nobody to hang with. Nobody invited me to their parties. And I wouldn't have gone if they had it because I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I'm a Christian. Nobody invited me. It was a couple of lonely years. But you know what made those years good? Because I was standing over here by righteousness. And all was well in my life. I didn't have to drink to be happy. I was with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I didn't, have to, I didn't have to go to some party and try drugs to be happy because Jesus and I were together. And you know what, kids? It pays off. There's got to come a time in your life that you decide to yield not to sin but to righteousness. Literally, forgive the illustration, literally to say to righteousness, I'm all yours. I'm all in. Whatever you say, God, I'll do it. Uh, what, 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 whatever's right, I'll do it. I'm all in. And you know something? It makes a difference. We're about out of time, but it makes a difference. We can all, every adult in this room, and even some of you kids, could tell the stories about the teenagers we know who lived right here, friendly with sin. They thought it was no big deal. See, nobody laughs 15 years down the road when his wife leaves him. Nobody laughs when they're 45, addicted to cigarettes, and have lung cancer. 
See, nobody thinks it's funny, but sin will destroy your life. That's the whole point of this text. Sin will damage your life, kids. So why is Paul writing this to us? Because God doesn't want your life to be damaged. God wants you to have love and joy and peace and victory and favor. And what a way to live. Danny, uh, I was your age one time. I was your age one time. I was his age one time. I didn't look as good, but I was his age. And she knows something? Danny, you will be my age one day. You know what's going to make the difference in where you are when you're 53? What you do about sin and righteousness. Guys, you know what's going to make the difference? What you do about sin and righteousness. And here's what we think. Ah, it's just a video game. No, it's not just a video game. It's sin and righteousness. There's issues you've got to think about, decide about. And I promise you, if you'll surrender to God, to righteousness, what a way to live. What a way to live. What a way to live with joy and victory and peace and God's blessings. Someday you're going to want to get married, aren't you? What a way to live. Get a good wife while you're at it. Don't let sin bring something into your life and it's miserable and you fight like cats and dogs and hate each other's guts and eventually divorce. Did you know that the divorce rate across the board in our culture is now 67%? First marriages is at 47%. But across the board, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, ninth marriages, the divorce rate is 67% across the board. Well, who wants to live like that? I I've been married for 30 years, and I am madly in love. And it's the most incredible thing in the world, kids. My wife likes me. You know what she calls me? She calls me handsome hunk of man. I'm not making that up. You can call me Dave. Please don't call me handsome hunk of man. That would be the weirdest thing in the world. But you can call me Dave. But my wife calls me handsome hunk of man. That's pretty cool. Don't you think it's pretty cool? She thinks I'm amazing. I'm not going to tell her any different. She's a, she's a brilliant woman. See, see, here's what I'm telling you. God wants to bless your life, kids. In the world you live in, oh my goodness, don't go all in for God. And, and uh, oh my word, you can't do nothing if you're a Christian. Stop it. Don't yield yourself to sin. Yield yourself to righteousness. You know why? It's worth it. It pays off. It's glorious. It's amazing. That's the point of this passage. Neither yield ye yourselves as, as, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God. And your members as instruments of righteousness. That's what the Bible's trying to tell us. Am I made sense or not? Are y'all with me in Romans chapter 6? Amazing. Don't you love this? Don't you love this? Isn't this good? Are you guys going to have a seat? 